Hey, on, um, on, on this vision day, as we look forward to this next year, but also really the next decade, I want you to go to what has been really our theme scripture as we're talking about this, what this is, this 10X mentality. It's in Daniel chapter one, verse 18. It says, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, the king. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them how many times? 10 times, 10x better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now, I want you to get this. If you missed last week, you might need to go back and check it out. But this is what we learned from this passage of scripture. They, they didn't have a 10 times, a 10x anointing. They weren't 10x more spiritual. They weren't 10 times better worshipers. It says they were, they were 10 times smarter in the areas of wisdom and understanding. And it wasn't the church leaders noticed, the world noticed that there was a 10X difference in between them and everybody else. We call this the anointing. It's God's super on your natural. It's the ability of God to use your giftings, talents, skills, and put his supernatural power and ability on it. He doesn't need to give you something other than what you have. He puts his power on what you already have. So we see the Hebrew children, they were anointed by God. And in the areas of wisdom, in the areas of understanding, you know, when you think about King Solomon, do you remember this when God spoke to him and he had a request? He was able, says, what do you want? God asked him, what do you want? Some of us, we take that 10X, we'd be like, I want 10X cars. I want 10X popularity. I want 10X whatever. He, doesn't, he didn't say 10X. He doesn't say anything that he wants. He says that he wanted one thing. He says, God, would you give me your wisdom? So listen to this. The, what God put on the Hebrew children was not a bunch of stuff. He gave them wisdom and understanding. You don't need a bunch of stuff. If you have wisdom and understanding, you can get stuff. If you have wisdom and understanding, you can make resource. If you have wisdom and understanding, you can start businesses. You don't need the stuff. You need God to put his anointing on the gifts that are already on the inside of you to begin to uncover and discover God-given purpose that, that is already, if you don't know it yet, it's already in you. And so God put his anointing on these Hebrew children. This is where we begin to say this, God, in the next decade, will you 10X us in the next 10? Not just 10 times what we're doing now, but will you, ten, really what we're saying is, God, will you put your anointing on our natural gifts and our natural, natural abilities, our natural efforts, will you smile on them? Will you put your power on them? I remember it was probably about three years ago, I was uh, driving with Pastor Benny, one of the guys on the video, and um, that was hilarious. Them, they're, they're, they're a good time. That's really them right there. That was, that was good. Pastor Benny and I were driving and, and we were just driving around Dallas and we were praying and uh, together and just asking the Lord, what, what are you doing in this area? About three years ago, what are you doing right now? What do we need to do? And uh, he asked me, he said, Dustin, what do you sense God saying? Like not, not just small vision, like big vision. Like, what are you? And I said, I, I said this out of my mouth, in the car, on the tollway. I said, I really believe we're supposed to be in Frisco. 
Well, at that point, we were in, we were in Oak Cliff, we we're in Allen, we we're in Wiley. And I said, I believe we're supposed to be in, and we, had, we were in Prosper, I think, at the time. And uh, I said, we're supposed to be in Frisco. And he goes, well, if you could go anywhere in Frisco, where would you go? I go, I'd know right where I'd go. I go right next to the Dallas Cowboys practice facility, right by the star, right on the tollway. And we would reach people in that area. And he says, you got to start believing God for it. And I'm, I'm a faith guy. I like to believe God, but I'm like, I just said it in the car. And then he challenged me, well, you don't just say it, believe God to do it. It was probably about three months later through, uh, our, through friends that we came in contact with and came in a relationship with building the church, Grant and Kaylee Diamond, a building that we were leasing as we were starting to Frisco, merged to Frisco campus. And uh, the, the guy that was leasing the building, he called me. And he said, hey, I know you're leasing this building, but I actually have a different building and I have to sell it. He goes, I have to sell it. I want to give you guys the first opportunity to buy it. I, I, I just, I thought maybe you guys could use it. And uh, I love what you're doing. I've seen what God's been doing. And so I just want to give you the opportunity. I'm like, well, first of all, where is it? And then the big question, right? How much is it? And he said, well, I'll tell you how much it is first. Wah, wah, wah. Right? He told me, I'm like, yeah, we're not interested. And I said, but where is it? And he goes, it's two exits up from the star in Frisco. And it's on the Dallas North Tollway. And I said, hold on, we need to meet. So we started talking and many of you know, our Frisco location right now where they're meeting right now as they have service is in that building that we bought because I was challenged to lift up my eyes and have a bigger, at that point we were leasing a little event center and God said, no, I got a building for you, but you have to lift up your eyes and I would have never dreamed that big unless somebody provoked me out of comfort to think bigger. Friends, 10X vision is the ability to think bigger than your natural ability. It's the ability to think bigger than what you've thought in the past. Let me tell you this. God is never threatened by big vision. Some of us, we, we, we try to make it easy for God. Like, I'll just have like a, like a little vision, God. I'm not going to make it hard on you. I just, like, I just want like a little bit of success and a little bit of money and a little bit of, you know, God's not threatened by big vision. God's not threatened by big goals. In fact, if you read your Bible, you can't find one time where God reprimands, Jesus reprimands anybody for having too much faith, believing too big, believing for the impossible too much. But on the contrary, you find all kinds of instances where Jesus is rebuking people of little faith, rebuking people of no faith, unable to do God's work because of lack of faith. But you can't find anywhere in the Bible where there is uh, a, where there is a time where God is saying, don't have big faith. And is it interesting as believers, listen to what we, we even call ourselves, believers. Some of us are hypocritical just at that. We're supposed to be believers. We're supposed to believe God. We're supposed to believe what he says. If you're a believer, then you have to have faith that God can do what he said he's going to do. You've got to lift up your eyes from small, comfortable vision and begin to look out and see the big thing that God wants to do. Maybe today you need to be provoked a little bit to dream a little bigger, to think a little bit bigger. You know what? We talked about this last week. You could probably supersize your vision in your own strength. 
You could probably do that in your own strength. Well, okay, it's a brand new year. I got new goals. I got new strategies. I have my vision board up on my bedroom wall. I look at it every morning. I do my daily affirmations. And you can supersize what you're doing. You can't 10X it. No, see, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're one of those people like, no, I can't 10X it. Okay, then you got to go bigger. Because in order to fulfill God's purpose, you have to get out of your ability. So I have to dream so big that it makes me feel uncomfortable. I have to dream so big that I lay in bed at night, with, not with my eyes closed, with my eyes open, thinking, God, how are you going to do the thing that you put in my heart to do? If you've never laid in bed awake, thinking about how God's gonna do the thing that he put in your heart to do, you have never dreamed big enough. If it's never scared you, if, it, if, it's, if, it's, if it's never got you to the place of discomfort where you don't know how God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do, you have not dreamed big enough. You need bigger vision. In our church, even in the last 10 years, the last decade, when I look back, I cannot believe all the things that God did. How, how many of you felt like this before? Why God's doing it, it feels really slow. But then when you look back, you're like, whoa, God did a lot. Like some of you, I know you, I, 10 years ago, you weren't here, I'll just say that. Some of you 10, 10 years ago, like I got some of my staff, like some of you 10 years ago, you were in the youth ministry. God's done a lot. He saved a lot of people, delivered a lot of people. In the last decade, we've opened four campuses, soon to be five. We've got buildings in Allen, Frisco, Oak Cliff, and more on the way. Spanish campus, weeks from launching, Christian Preschool, Premier Christian Academy, 1132 Leadership College, School of Ministry, Dream Center, 152 blocks adopted, thousands of families fed, hundreds of salvations, 1132U Discipleship Launch, Youth Ministry that's shaking the city, Kids Ministry that doesn't babysit but teaches and trains the next generation, leaders raised up, released into ministry, and so many more. That's the last 10. And if God can do that in the last 10, what can he do in the next 10? I'm not talking about just for the church. I'm talking about for you. If you can have a bigger vision for your life, stop seeing why you can't do things and start thinking about why you can do something. Stop seeing all the reasons. Well, in this economy, I'll never be able to buy a house. I'll never be. Why not? If you do it in your own strength, maybe not. But if you could actually start dreaming with God, then maybe you could see something differently. In, in, in Genesis chapter 16, I was reading this a couple months ago, and, and really most of the 10x revelation came out of this scripture even before Daniel. In, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, soon to be Sarah, Abram, soon to be Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, never name your daughter Hagar. Just If there's a Hagar in here, we love you, but that's, that's rough. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me. Now, wait, what if there is? I'm going to feel so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Scrub it from the, the, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, listen, this is just a crazy Old Testament story. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family. Just watch the wording. I can, perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, I always think this is a funny story. Sarah's like, go sleep with my maidservant. And Abram agreed. <laughs> All right, honey, whatever you say. 
tell me when and where. I'll be there. Uh, I got to move on. Abram agreed to what, to what Sarah said. What a humble servant of God. So after Abram had been living, okay, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So after Abram had been living in Canaan, how many years? 10 years. 10 years. Why did it have to be 10? Why 10? 10 years. Sarah's wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Why 10? You know what 10 means? Pastor Benny said it in the video because he heard me say it. 10 means test. If you're watching, I know you stole that from me. 10 means test. That's why we talk about the tithe. The tithe is a 10th. It's a test. I don't think it's a coincidence that in the 10th year, she had a test. Would she trust God to do what he said he was going to do? Or perhaps I can build a family. I can, perhaps I can make God's promise come to pass in my own strength. This is, this is her challenge. Do I trust God to do it? Or do I try to make it in my own ability? Abraham and Sarah had a promise, a promise of many descendants. They're in their 80s and they have no kids. But the promise of God says that your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. You ever been stuck in that place? A lot of promises and no progress. A lot of words and nothing to show for it. I mean, everybody gets excited. I, I got this word, one from Dr. Maiden, and I was, I was listening to it last night. I was getting fired up for today, and I was listening to it, and I was up way too late. I stayed up almost all night. And at 12 o'clock midnight, I was sending it out to all of our staff, and I'm sending out these words, and, 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 and not very many of them responded. So I guess <laughs> Bianca did. She was up, and, and, or she just like sounded alarm when I texted her. I don't know what happened. And, and I'm sending these words out. I'm like, man, listen to this word. You ever got a word? And you're like, man, listen to this. You're excited for a day or two days, or a month. But a word is just a word. After an extended period of time, where you don't see the answer. And I would venture to say that many of us that are in this room, that are hearing this message, is that we've got a lot of promises that we're still waiting on the progress for. That we have a lot of words that we're still waiting on the fulfillment of. So Abraham and Sarah had promises, but they didn't have progress. And this, friends, is the test of faith. This is the test of big vision is that when you have the word, but not the progress, can you trust God? If you have the word, but you don't have the actual product, can you trust God? And I found this to be true. There is a price to pay for big vision. There, there is a price to pay to have success. If success was easy, everybody would be successful. If building a great business was easy, everybody would have a great business. If having a great marriage was easy, everybody would have a great marriage. If having a godly family was easy, everybody would have a godly family. It's not. There's a price to be paid for greatness. Greatness, you've heard this, doesn't go on sale. There is a price to be paid for success. There is a price to be paid for the vision God puts in your heart. I would love to say we're going to have vision day. We're going to have it's exciting. We're going to have confetti fall from the roof. And we're going to all cheer about all the things that God's going to do. And I would be lying to you to tell you that you won't be tested on what God gives you. 
Some people get words and get all excited and they don't understand why all hell breaks loose. You, you haven't got a word until someone tried to take the word from you and you kept it. You don't have something until someone tries to take it from you and then you know you got it. You don't, you don't have vision if someone hasn't tried to steal that vision from you and you kept it. Now you know I got it. That's why after a decade, I know I got it. Because there's been a lot of people over the years that tried to take it, steal it, malign it, gossip about it, try to take credit for it. I, I got it. We have it. What God's put in our heart, nobody's going to take. What God, you don't know you've got it until you fought for it. And I came across this passage in Genesis 16, and I thought about four tests, four tests of big vision. And I want to give you these things, and then I'm going to give you the risks that I believe God's asked us to step into in this next year. Four, four tests of big vision. The number one is this. It's so easy, and it's so basic, but it's so difficult the test of faith. That's the first test. This is just simply the can you see it test. Faith, can you see it? Some people can't even see. Say, man, can you imagine yourself out of debt? I can't even see it. Yeah, you, you haven't even t passed the faith test yet. You have to be able to pass the, can you imagine yourself free from mental disability? I can't see it. Yeah, yeah, you haven't passed the faith test yet. Can you imagine your body disease-free? I can't see it. You, you haven't passed the faith test yet because the faith test is the place where you can see the thing that you cannot see. The faith test is where you take God's word and although you can't see it in reality yet, you put your anchor down on the word of God and say, I believe it. It's the faith test. This is the ability to take God at his word and believe him. This is the ability to see it before you see it. This is the ability to believe for what others would deem as impossible. This is the ability to believe what other. Some of us, we can't get over it. If everyone's not believing for it, we won't believe for it. How, how about just grabbing a word? Saying, if you're God, God Almighty, outside of time and space, if you're God that created the heavens and the earth, then you might possibly have the ability to do this thing. To, have, to fulfill this promise. Those who look through the lens of possibility will never see anything as too big or too difficult. I love these people. I love faith people. That when you look through the lens of possibility, there is nothing that is too big or too difficult. We, we have one of our values as a church, as a, as a staff. We say we value impossibility. Because when other people say no, it's an opportunity for God to say yes. When people say, you're going to hear in some of our risks, when people say it can't be done, God says, I'll, I can 10x your wisdom and understanding to a place that I can give you a strategy and how you can see a city transformed. Number two is this. It's the test of voices. The test of voices. I like this one. I hate this one, but I, I like the point. This is the need to silence or not be affected by the negative voices around you. You know what's interesting? In my life, I just enjoy eating a certain way, okay? So I eat lean. I eat, for the most part, really healthy. I do it a long time. I've done it for a long time, decades. And I don't do diets. I don't do, I don't do like cheat, day, cheat days or, or whatever. And you know what's interesting? I get more flack for having discipline than I would if I ate Jack in the Box every night at midnight. You know why? Because some of y'all ate Jack in the Box at midnight and you feel guilty about it. So it's easier to be like, yeah, 
You got the jackrab. <laughs> then it is to actually say, oh, wow, that's, that's incredible that you had the discipline to eat that way. Wait, we don't want that because it confronts our lack of discipline. You would think if someone was making healthy choices that everybody would be like, we're so proud of you. Multiple decades. This is incredible. No. Are you not eating carbs again? <laughs> Look at all the bread I'm eating, loser. It's like, what? Why would you ever? Why? I literally, I, I actually told, I told I'm not going to tell you who it was because you would know who they were. I told him, I said, why do you have such a hard time with me eating healthy? Like, what is it? And I think I know what it is. I think that sometimes when someone makes a decision that we don't make, it, con it convicts our area or lack of discipline. It's interesting that the test of voices is sometimes people want to put in their two bits on your vision because your vision confronts their complacency. So you have to be careful that people, when you share your dreams with people and they're just not all excited about it, well, sometimes your faith offends their passivity. So you have to be willing to shut voices up or shut down or better yet, shut your ears to voices. Let them do what they're going to do. Let them say what they're going to say, but not let it rob you of the vision that God wants you to have. This is the ability to drown out the haters. This is the ability to drown out the doubters. This is the ability to drown out the negativity of people who don't have the faith to trust God for big things. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to have big vision, people all around you will find ways or find reasons that you can't accomplish it. I can go back over the last decade and I can walk through all of the years on that video and I can tell you the voices, the people that told me we shouldn't, we couldn't, wait longer, it'll never happen, choose a different city, build a different thing, invest in someone else. And I can tell you all of those voices that attempted to rob me of the vision that God put in my heart. I bet you could do the same. When God puts something in your heart, you could think about the people. Why weren't you just happy for me? And I'm trying to do something better in my, why weren't you just excited? Why, 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 why aren't you just for me? Why aren't you? Jamie and I, we, we talk about this a lot. She says, she says I do this and I, and, and I say she does this. Is that she'll come up with an idea and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But usually how much is it going to cost, right? But she does the same thing. She doesn't admit it, but she does the same thing. I'm like, what about, what about this? And what about this? And she's thinking like, oh my, that's a lot of time. What are we going to do? Yeah, right? She goes through it. And so we have, this, we have this give and take of balancing each other out. The other day she said, why can't you just be excited about it? I was like, you know what? I don't want to have this conversation right now. <laughs> my, my passivity is convicted by your engagement in this next activity. Why can't we just be happy? We're going to transform the city. Well, pastor, don't you know that a lot of people tried to transform cities? Shut up. Seriously. It must be miserable to live with you. I can tell you how bad the world is. People have been saying it for centuries. We don't need more bad news people telling us why or how things cannot be done. How about the next time someone takes a risk, you say, I like it, keep doing it. 
Why don't you give him some money? Help him, help him accomplish it. Why don't you write him a note? Say, keep on keeping on. Why don't we be the voice that celebrates and cheers on risks of faith instead of reasonable, educated, mature people that always have something bad to say about people trying to take a risk for God. Dustin, I love you. Your preaching's great, your passion's, but you're too young. That's what I heard in the beginning. Well, now I'm not young anymore. What now? <laughs> and you're gone, and I'm here, and we're building, and if I would have listened to your voice, I would have stopped preaching and I would have stopped declaring the goodness of God. But thank God I was able to drown out your voice in negativity and say, my age doesn't matter. If God called me, so be it. Because the last time I checked, the church didn't call me. People didn't call me. God called me. The last time I checked, God called you. People didn't call you. People didn't choose you. God chose you. God anointed you. And if God called you, then people can't get in your way. That's the test of voices. Feel like I have some experience in that one? It's like, wow, that's a lot of pastor. That's a lot of passion, pastor. You got some things to work out in counseling? Possibly. <laughs> if, if a voice doesn't reinforce what God already spoke to you, then its only purpose is to distract you from the original vision he gave you. The test of voices. The third one is this, the test of time. T.D. Jakes always says, if I had time to talk about time, because isn't that really the, the test? Time, it's, it's not pain, because if it was pain for a minute, you'd be fine. You'd get through it. It's the pain that lasts an hour or a day or a year or 10 years. It's not disappointment in a moment. It's the disappointment that keeps on showing up year after year after, right? It, it, it's, it's really not even sickness. It's the sickness that you can't get better from. It's it, It's time. And Sarah approaches this season of time at 10 years. It's a test. And she gets to decide, what am I going to do with time? I'm getting old. And before I actually saw the possibility in my body of how this could come to pass. But now so much time has passed that actually my hope or expectation in it happening is now gone. My body is dead. The possibility is dead. What do you do? when you still have a promise, but every natural ability that you had to fulfill it has already passed. The test of time, this is understanding that God's timing is often different than ours. Anybody know that? It's not, that's not a fun point, let's just move on. This is the ability to persist until you succeed. This is the ability to give yourself to like Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. This is the ability to not be shaken by detours or delays. Listen to this, with a God-given vision, the question is never if, it's only when. If God gave you a vision, he gave it to you for a reason. He didn't give it to you and then now decide if he's gonna do it or not. He gave it to you so it's not if, it's when. We have promises that we're stewarding as a church and it's not if he's gonna do it, it's when he's gonna do it. I'm looking forward with expectancy to some of the things that I have words on, waiting, looking, watching to see when is this gonna happen? When is it going to be fulfilled? The test of time. And lastly is this, the test of strength. And really this is everything in Genesis chapter 16, the test of strength, because the test of strength is sneaky because God works in partnership with us. 
Some people believe it's just God, sovereignty. He works, he does his stuff. I, I like that. It would be easier that way because you could be lazy, pathetic, passive, and complacent. And then God could just do his stuff. But then also the gospels would not be full of miracles and healings because you never see Jesus just doing what he wants. You only see Jesus in response to active faith. The woman with the issue of blood. He didn't sense her. Oh yeah, woman, there's a miracle for you. Blind man, here's sight for you. Crippled man, walk, right? He didn't do that. He's walking about his business. But people got in his, they got in partnership with his journey. It, the desperation of the woman stopped Jesus in his tracks and he stops and heals her. The blind man, he told to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Was the pool of Siloam miracle water? Nope, it was obedience and faith. So the test of strength is this. At the end of 10 years, in the testing season, you have an opportunity to do it in your own strength or to do it with God. You know you can build churches in your own strength? People do it. I'm not interested in a church that we can build in our strength. I'm not interested in a vision that you have for your life that you can accomplish in your own strength. I'm talking about a 10x vision that lifts up your eyes and you say, there is no way I can do this unless I have God's strength. There is no way I can do this without the power of God. This is the true test of a 10x vision. If you can accomplish it without God, it's too small. If it doesn't scare you, it's too small. If it doesn't require supernatural intervention, it's too small. Okay, listen to this. Any vision that doesn't require God to fulfill is not from God. I know some of you are like, whoa, 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 hold on. Just think about it. Why would God give you a vision to do something that doesn't require him? You can just do that on your own. That's called goals. That's called New Year's resolutions. Man, I, I, got, a, I got a vision. I got, I, I got a vision to stay married. You don't need supernatural intervention for that. You need some self-control and to discipline your flesh and to humble yourself and become better. You don't, you don't even need God for that. That was my God vision. It's not a God vision. That's just being a good person. That, we, 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 we try to substitute these things. You don't need God's strength for most of the things that we set goals for. I'm talking 10X. I'm talking things that make almost offend you. I'm talking about things that like, whoa, that's massive. Whoa, that's big. And I would just say, why not? Why not? Why? On the contrary, why are you satisfied with purposeless living? Why are you satisfied with low vision? It, why are you satisfied with just barely getting by or just barely making it? You've got to lift your eyes and 10X this vision and see what God could do. One of the greatest tests of the next decade will be our own attempts to make a God-sized vision happen our way. That's what Sarah did. She says, I can't do it. It's not, gonna, it's not gonna work. It's not possible. He can't do it through me. So God, use somebody else. Here, I can, I can make a family for myself. Whenever you start trying to do God's vision your way. So God's not gonna do it without you, but you can't do it without God. You see it? God's not gonna do it without you. Well, build your church. God. No, 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 no. He's gonna use us. But we're not gonna do it without him. It's partnership with God that leads to big visions being fulfilled. And that's what led us, to, as we're beginning to pray about the next decade vision, I begin to write down what I call a city transformation strategy. Because if you've been around our church, we believe in this, nothing less 
than city transformation. That wherever God calls us, we're believing for city transformation. So I want to give you some of our risks for this year. Usually we have 10, which is interesting, right? 10X. And, and, and so I got some of these for you. And uh, some of these are just seed form. It's the very beginnings of what God will get, continue to grow over this next decade. It's the very beginning. As God begins to move in this next decade, whatever God does is going to be bathed in prayer. That God doesn't do, if God's really going to move, if God's going to transform a city, it's going to happen through believing prayer. If you study every great move of God in history, you will find that there was a contingency, a, a group of people that were devoted to prayer. So our first risk is that we're adding another day of prayer to our corporate church. So we have Tuesday morning. We're adding Thursday morning prayer sessions to continue to bombard heaven with prayers and worship and requests. Secondly, we're going to add monthly intercession nights. These are Holly, our prayer director, and Hannah are going to help lead us once a month as we come before God on nights of intercession where we learn how to pray and to intercede. And we're beginning the structure for all of this coming in this next year. A part of our city transformation strategy, this is, um, this is very seed form, but I've realized this is that we're doing a really good job in Oak Cliff where the Dream Center is. But in every community where we have a campus, that community needs to be blessed. Then there's people all over that community that have needs. And wherever we have a campus, there should be a ripple effect of the blessing and favor of God on those places, in those places. So we're going to start just seed form for a future big vision is that we're actually really practically buying coffee trailers to put at each campus where we can serve coffee, right? We love our coffee. Praise God. I need that trailer to follow me around. And that is going to be the beginning of a bigger vision that we'll talk about later of community engagement and involvement where people, there's something about the atmosphere of the people of God. If you get people that are full of the spirit of God that are working eventually in a coffee shop, creating a, a space where people that don't know God come into, they will sense that you don't have to preach to them. You don't have to jump on the table and, 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 and preach some crazy message. You could just sense that there's something different because what God's beginning to speak to us, if we're going to transform the city, we have to pastor the city. So instead of just waiting for the city to come to us, we have to begin to go to the city. So this is the beginning of a city transformation strategy through caffeine. Praise God. We know their vice. We are going to we've done this at the Dream Center. We've adopted 152 blocks out from the Dream Center. Every house in those blocks, we went door to door. We said we were praying for them and we've assessed their needs. And I got convicted and said, we've done it there. Why have we not done that everywhere we have a campus? So this next year, we will adopt 150 blocks in every city where we have a campus surrounding our building. We'll go door to door and make sure that they have resources that if there's a death in the family, they know they have a church that'll stand beside them. If they have a wedding, they have a place to have it. If they need or are in need of something, then we got a church that will provide. Well, they're not a part of our church, pastor. That's a lot of people, pastor. And we serve a God, but we serve a big God. And if we're going to transform the city, we have to pastor the city. If we just pastor a small group that's here, safe, hiding from the world, we're never going to transform the city. So we're going to begin to adopt over this next year, 150 blocks in each location. We are going to, which I'm really excited about this, one of our staff members, Kaylee Lamadu, she's here in the front row, and um, God's put a, um, a burden on her heart. And um, John shared a little bit of this with me. Like, she's like, hey, hey, Kaylee wants to talk to you about this at some point. And so 
I was like, awesome. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if the now is the time. And I was away praying this last week and the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me and I could not shake it. And uh, so I got a hold of Kaylee. I'm like, listen, I can't get away from this. I think, the, I think it's time to do it. I think we got to step into this. And she's like, I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I caught up. And uh, so we're going to start our own uh, fostering and adoption ministry. You know, as a church, we do a lot. As a church, we do a lot for women. We do a lot through our crisis pregnancy center, through real options. We do a lot. But we also, if we're really going to make a city transformation, we have to create a framework or a strategy of how we walk with people that make choices to have babies that they might not be able to afford or might not be able to take care of. We can't ask for one without providing the other. And so we are, we are launching, we're in the very beginning stages of, of dreaming and strategizing. We already have some attorneys that are on our team looking into it. We already have uh, a lot of things out there. Um, I heard this statistic. You're gonna have to check it to see if it's true, okay? I, I, I'm, I heard this, that if every church in America, not person, church, if every church in America adopted one child, that we would end the foster care program in America. That's crazy. That's crazy. That we would have, do you know, it sounds like God. We were talking about these risks. Bianca texted me this scripture. God sets the orphans in families. That's the heart of God. This year, we're going to create a framework. To Some of you got, you know, someone already talked to me last service. They're like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm like, what? They're like, when you said that, like, I just felt, what do you feel? <laughs> Oh no, I've got extra rooms in my house. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I, th- I think we might see an adoption move through our church and we're gonna see kids that need to be in godly families brought in and raised to know Jesus and to love him. We can talk about that one for a while. This one you already know, it's coming. Praise God, no delay. We are opening the fully renovated Dream Center building in Oak Cliff. There's been rich history in that building. There was a move of God in the 40s and the 50s that that building was built out of and it's known for miracles. And it was about to be sold to the city of Dallas to be a museum. And God said, no, that's gonna be a house of God. And I prophesy to you that it will be a house of miracles again, that we will see God not just meet practically, but will continue to meet spiritually the needs of the community and surrounding areas. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but right about 40 minutes from us is a community called Sand Branch. And we've been talking about this for years now, but in Sand Branch, it is actually years ago, in the midst of segregation, as racially influenced decisions was outlined or annexed out of the counties in Dallas. It is literally a piece piece of land that is not a part of a county anywhere. No trash, no water. Very small footprint, but they live this way and they have for years. Many people have tried to help, tried to have a strategy to help and they haven't been able to. Did you hear what I just said? They haven't been able to. If you've been around very long, you know that that just got me excited. They haven't been able to? Yeah, pastor, actually it's impossible. What? Swear again. It's impossible. I love it. Say it again. It's impossible. What is impossible 
with man is possible with God. What if, what if, what if God used the people of God to bring water to a community that they said it would be impossible to, impossible to bring water to? We already have people are already excited about this that have just barely heard about this. They're already idea. I can do this. I can do this. I work here. I can do this. I can supply. We're gonna, you know what we need? We need 10x, 10x wisdom and strategy to look at a problem that natural minds have not been able to, to fix. Say, God, how do we bring water and how do we bring the gospel to Sand Branch? Mission Sand Branch. The next one, number eight is that we're gonna launch weekly services at the Dream Center. So as soon as that building opens, we'll let you know about a grand opening. And every Sunday night, we're gonna have incredible services. Those seats are gonna be filled again with people giving praise and worship to God. This is one that we've been, been believing God for a long time. And to our people in Wiley, I got to go and announce this live to them. Uh, but that campus has been portable for years now. And uh, they've been in the B&B theater. They come out of service smelling like hot dogs and popcorn. If you stay long enough, you can get in free to the movie that's playing after. Don't tell anybody I said that. We were, by the grace of God, it's a huge long story that I don't have time to tell. We are... We have a letter of intent, signed letter of intent with a building in Wiley right off of 78. And uh, we are close to being under contract uh, for that building. Our architect has already dropped. It's a, it's, it, it needs help, okay? I didn't say it was a beautiful building. I said it was a building, all right? So that's why I told the Wiley people, I'm like, hey, popcorn's hot dog or, you know? They, they chose the building, but our architect did an awesome job. And uh, he, we're, gonna re, we're gonna renovate the entire thing. And uh, we're putting in parking, landscaping. There's still some work to do on it, but that building will be renovated and will be open this year. This year. Isn't that a little fast, Pastor? Stop it. Stop it. Isn't going to cost a lot of money? Stop it. Stop it. This is, you you got to have faith. You got to have faith to see it. Well, we know how construction works. Just stop. Listen to how we're wired to think. Wouldn't we be excited if it happened? Yeah, but I don't want you to get your expectations too high. Well, I don't want you to get your expectations too low. Now what do we do? I say we just transform a city. Why don't we just do it? Why don't we just as the people of God just decide just to do it? Well, listen. Listen to that narrative. Why not? You know what I realized? I got to give you the rest. We got to be done. But I realized that um, over time, the test of time, I still wanted to move the kingdom of God forward, want to take risks, all those things. But I stopped saying something. When I was young and dumb, I used to say, I'm going to change the world. You ever said these things? I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. And I realized as we're planning for the next decade, I stopped saying that. Test of time. I know some of you, well, you grew up. You did too. That's why Jesus says it's childlike faith. So you know what I started saying? I'm gonna change the world. You know what I told my boys yesterday? Look me in the eyes. You're gonna change the world. What the? I thought I had a soccer game. I know. And you're gonna change the world. Can I have a snack? Yes. And you are gonna... Why would we? Time. The test of time just wears you down over time. I don't know. I'll just probably just try to get the kids to college. What? That's our sights? That's our vision now? 
house. Oh, you know, kids left home. I'm not even, I don't know, I'm not even friends with my spouse. And I guess we'll just kind of, whoa, that's where you're going to live? No. Vision, friend. What could happen? What could God do? The last one is we're adding additional seating in classrooms right here in Allen. We are out of room again. I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because the reason this is important is because we own all this property all the way out to Greenville. That field that you see, that's all our property. And we have plans already drawn to build a 1,500-seat auditorium, classrooms to expand our academy, a gymnasium for us to have sports programs, all kinds of studios for recording, for all kinds of our college students, all uh, headquarters that where we can send all of our people all over the place and a, a place where we can really fit a lot of people as God continues to bring people. But you know what? Let me just tell you, that costs a lot of money. No, like a lot. Like I, I would say it, some of you don't even have the faith to hear it right now. Cause that would just, that would be like, whoa. But you know what? It's not a lot of money to God. But because God's nice to us, to me and to you, we're gonna stair step this thing, all right? Because $50 million is a lot. Like does it cost me? You go, you go get a bid, right? Brands back to you get it, like you know. Like, man, that's, it's cost a lot of money. So we have right now, we have drawings, we have plans from architect to build a balcony in here all the way across the back. And um, that's not for sure our direction that we're gonna go, but we have the plans drawn up. It would cost $1.5 million to add 300, about 320 seats, um, which would be awesome times three services. So it gives us some room to continue to grow because we're gonna have to grow our campuses. We're gonna have to grow this and maybe add a couple campuses before we build that. That's just city transformation strategy. I got faith for that, but we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna start here. And we're gonna continue to add space so that people, why do we add space? Not so we can have a big church. If you've been around very long, you know this is not the goal. The goal for us to add space is so that people could come into this atmosphere of faith so their lives would be transformed and changed so that we could in turn transform a city. And I believe we actually can. My challenge to you is as you leave today, you take the pledge cards and personal risk cards and you really pray about how you, we're not gonna take an offering today while you're all jazzed up about it, which that'd be, that would be good, right? You're like, yeah, sand branch. Uh, I want you to go pray and I want you to think about it. And maybe God's stirring your heart for one of those risks. If you text, we made it really easy. If you text risk one, risk one to 94,000, then our team will shoot back all of the risks, a form with all the risks, and you can select which ones you're interested in or which ones you want information on as we begin to move forward. Risk one to 94,000. I'm gonna close and I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna have Jamie come and pray over you as well. Zechariah 4.6 says something really interesting. You've heard the scripture. It says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This vision is so big, we can't do it on our own. And I pray the vision for your life is so big that you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Stop. There are some people that are like, yes, God's gonna do it. But you didn't read the whole scripture closely. 
It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders yeah. labor in vain. Yeah. So you can build in vain yeah. or you can build with God. Yeah. You will build. You'll build a, a kingdom unto yourself or you build in accordance to God's plan and purpose. It's your choice. Yeah. You can build like Sarah did with Hagar and try to do it in your own strength and exclude God. Or you can do what she did when she repented and she included God and God brought her to Isaac. And I'm gonna tell you this, God has a promised child for you, a promised Isaac. That might be a fulfillment of a dream that you've had for years. That might be something that, of some type of ministry that you've had in your heart to do sometime in the future. I don't know what exactly it is, but I'm gonna tell you this, if God's given you a promise, then you gotta pass the test of time and you gotta pass the test of strength and not do it in your own power. Unless the Lord builds a house. Okay, if he builds it, if it's his vision, then guess what? Then when I partner with him, then he is going to make sure that my building is not in vain. I'm going to have everybody stand up with me if you would. We're going to close, but I just want Jamie to pray a 10x blessing over us. A 10x. I want you to receive this right where you are before you go. 10x. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We bring, our, we bring our faith to this prayer. We bring our faith to this room. We bring our faith to situations. We bring faith to where there have been broken dreams and bruised faith. We bring faith to places where vision has died. And we say, God, will you come? Will you come into every one of those places and stir us up again, God? We thank you that your promises are yes and amen. And we say, amen, let it be to every promise, every vision, every family, every future dream, everything you have ever spoken, God, yes and amen. Amen. We are confident, God, that in this moment you are doing a deep, deep work, that you are resurrecting life again. You are resurrecting dreams. You are resurrecting faith. You are resurrecting vision. And I say with the psalmist, I am confident of this. I am confident of this. I remain in this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I thank you that there is a remaining power in the room today. I thank you that there is a steadfast and enduring and outlasting that comes only by believing with you, partnering with you, giving you the time, God, that we declare together, we will see the goodness of God in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, in our children, in our future, God. We thank you. We thank you for the, we thank you for it. And I just speak over every soul in the room. The old, old prayer of Moses. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you. And may he be gracious to you in every situation. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face to you and grant you peace. We thank you for your peace as we leave the room today, God. I thank you for your blessing. And I thank you for resurrected vision, vision, vision in the room. In your name I pray, amen.